This is Banging on the Drum. It's a beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome to Banging on the Drum uh, podcast. Um, we're a day late and a, and a host short, uh, but we are going to get an episode out this week. And just to give a quick update on the sports that we have been following through the week, um, sadly, this will probably end up being relatively short because I just have kind of the basics and it is only me tonight. Um, Pat was unable to make it this week. He's got some stuff going on in life that I'm sure that he'll let us know about when he comes back next week. We'll get something recorded here shortly, I'm sure, when his stuff kind of settles in, right? And so this one will be kind of a difficult one. I've done one of these in the past where I go solo, but way more challenging, right? So no I, no way to bounce ideas off other people, and um, I'm just kind of running out there tonight. But I do think it's important to get one out every week. So if you guys are out there and you're listening, um, just me this week. I apologize for that. It's it's probably not the best content you can get on a on a podcast that's out there, but we appreciate it. Please like, subscribe, do your thing. Um, uh, like it on Twitter or on YouTube, right? And then we're also on uh, all your podcast channels. So share it with a friend, send it to them, tell them it's the greatest podcast on the planet, and then just I don't know. Um, let them download it and see see for themselves. They'll probably shut it off right away, especially if it's this one. But they could always throw on the Damian Miller one, which is really really good and um, a lot of information about his career and kind of how cool his career ended up being. So please make sure if you are listening to the podcast and you haven't went back and listened to the Damian Miller one. That is an important one. Uh, the Chris Jackie one's not bad. But that was really, really early on in our in our go of things. And anytime Dusty or Keel come on or Mark come on, like those are killer episodes as well. Those guys, those guys always kill it every time they're on. So if you want to listen to one that's a little bit better, you can always go back, listen to Damien's or any of those other guys. Awesome, awesome guys to have on. Great recordings. Love doing. Uh, we did have uh, the Brewers Raptor on at one point too. He was really good as well. So go listen to those guys. Uh, those are all episodes we've done here in the past. Probably have to reach out to a few of those guys again here coming up. I know with Kia, we'll want to get into the Badgers here shortly. Um, come end of summer, get into a little bit more on the Packers. We'll see how busy. Guys like Dusty or uh, Bass are so, but definitely some good opportunities for collaborating with a few other people. I did go on the Bodkin show. He did an interview show. I did that last Sunday. You guys could also check that out. I had a lot of fun on that show. Um, really relaxing. I don't know if uh, Nick enjoyed me as a content creator, but his, his stuff is really good as well. So. Um, I'll jump into my unders for the week. So I bought a couch from Menards. Um, it ended up being broken, right? And so one board on it is broken, but Menards runs kind of these 
flash sales. Some like we have, I don't know, a thousand of these things and you know, they're cheap. We're trying to get them out of the warehouse, whatever it is, get a pretty good deal on them. So we buy one and then you can't think the whole idea is if, is if they sell out, like you're kind of screwed. You can't go back and get them again. And so we buy this, there's a, the, like the frame board in the back is snapped in half. And I thought it was just like one little spot, like worst case scenario or like, yeah, worst case scenario. I can't like get everything peeled off and get it fixed correctly. I can just patch it and have like a, just a board on the back side of it just to make sure it's stable. So I start digging into it. I'm pulling staples off and I realize it's broken like three spots. And so you can't just, so it took me about four hours this morning, but pulled it all apart, replaced the board. And then I did end up getting some money back from Menards on that. So that was like, okay. Right. So not terrible, but I did have to spend probably a good three or four hours ripping it apart and getting it put back together in like a functional way. And that's probably not the best, right? So you don't want, um, furniture made by Mike Doherty. Mike Doherty doesn't, I do not, I shouldn't talk about myself in third person. That's weird. Uh, don't buy Mike Doherty furniture. I'm just going to tell you, right. If there's ever a company that's Mike Doherty furniture, don't do it. Um, I do not do well with like finishing things in like the proper way. I'm like a 90% guy. I enjoy getting started on things. I like the idea of starting things, but actually like finalizing all details is not my strong suit. And so this time I think I did okay. However, we'll see like in two or three years, it'll end up being the whole thing will be falling apart just because of that one board on the back. Uh, but I tried this time. I tried to like actually finish the way I was supposed to. And I actually have a, like a really good example for another under. So my bathtub I put in last August or September, maybe a Labor Day weekend. And there's one pipe on there on the drain that just doesn't seem to stay connected. Right. And so it drains into my basement which is unfinished and just goes down a drain it's not like the end of the world i don't store a bunch of stuff in there we had a flood the first year that i was here and so i don't like hold stuff down there i don't do things in there right just assume that it's going to flood again at some point and don't don't put all your stuff down there that's the way we operate um and so bathtub the drain starts leaking on me it did it probably four months ago as well uh just this drain pipe kind of popped off there for what reason i'm not really sure if there was like some pressure buildup or like somebody stepped on the drain wrong and then like because there was water in there or something the pressure pushed it off there and then tonight the whole the whole pipe fell off. So the top fell off of it and then the side fell off of it too. So the, the pipe was like dangling on there. So I had to pull the whole pipe off and it's just slightly shorter than it needs to be. Cause if it's two inches in and like 
on each end, the the problem would be solved. But because I can fix it with what I have, like, and I know it's probably temporary, then I won't fix it. So it's probably like $15 worth of parts and I would never have water running in my basement again from the tub anyway. Like if it rains and crappy stuff happens, it will flood in my basement again. Like I, we had some pretty torrential floods the year that it, that it did that. But anyway, that's just a good example of what, why you don't want like me to be the guy who's like finishing things. I can start things. I can get things like 90, 95% done pretty easily. It's the last, like the last five to 10% just like drives me crazy. The attention to detail there. Um, all right. Jumping into my overs. Um, so my daughter and I've been spending a lot of time playing softball out back. So we play a lot of catch. She's, she's hitting, off the tee and then off some live pitching for me. She's going to be in like pitching machine league this year. So doing pretty well. And then, she, so she had her first practices this week. Um, a couple of the uh, fifth grade girls, I guess it would be, cause she's going into fourth grade said she was showing, showing them up, which I, I enjoy, I enjoy hearing that. Um, so it looks like she's, producing pretty well at least in practice so far off the off the pitching machine she's having a little bit harder time fielding balls but we'll get her there um and then uh at the beginning of the year i had a a new year's resolution to read one book a month right never started well so technically i do read books every month but I don't think like a five page board book or even like a captain underpants or a dogman book are appropriate for completing this task that those aren't books that are going to make me any better. Right. So reading's probably good for me, whether I'm reading to my kids or um, reading something that's for me, but the reading for the kids like is not something that is meaningful, right? It's not good enough for me. And so I did, I have started reading. Um, I have gotten on like the crisis negotiation team at work and I'm reading a book about um, one of the original, maybe not original guys on the team, but like a guy in the nineties when like things were really like developed and started with their like the process for the FBI. And so it's kind of a kind of a cool like look into the history of how crisis negotiation kind of got started and fine-tuned through the FBI lens. And so uh, that's by the guy by a guy by the name of Chris Voss who he's geared it a little bit towards business in this book that he's got now, but it's still some pretty interesting stuff um so i'm gonna jump into some sporting news and like i said we're this is gonna end up being like a like a fairly short podcast because i just don't have like 
were in a really slow time. Like if this was a week that the Packers had just played, I could dig in and break down a lot of stuff. Um, I don't watch enough Brewers and trying to track stats through without watching it is a little bit tough for me. And so I'm just going to kind of dig into, we're going to go into barking about the Brewers and just kind of the basics of what's going on and where we're at. So Brewers are five and five in the month of June. Um, and uh, so I wrote this down on, I think Thursday, Oakland A's are, came into town and I was thinking, oh, that should be an easy weekend sweep. We should be able to just kind of go in and roll them up, right? And they have taken two games from us currently. Uh, need a big win tomorrow, um, Sunday, Sunday morning. And so they play them at one. If you have the ability, tune in. If you don't, I get it. Like so, that's where I'm kind of at. I'm tracking stuff every, trying to track stuff every day with wins and losses. I don't really see a lot on who's dominating, right? But um, we got two guys in our lineup that are hitting over 250, and one only has played in 10 games. So that average more than likely is going to fall, right? So he's not a guy that has been up a long time. Rookies probably struggle significantly more than like veterans do in, in major league baseball. And so Yelich is really the only guy that is going to have a decent average and his average isn't even that good. you know, to uh, maybe high two fifties, like two fifty eight, two for two fifty nine, somewhere in there. And just not good enough. We need more consistent hitting, um, in the last three games, we've scored six runs, I think. I think it was three, two, and one. Um, losing all three of those games. And that's just something that we need to like work on is like hitting more for average. And I think in Major League Baseball currently, we just don't do that. Like nobody does. Um, they never just hit to be like 330 hitters. I think pitchers have become better. The analytics have become better. They know where to put the ball um, for each hitter, like what makes that hitter good, what makes that hitter bad, like where in the zone they hit from allows them to like be more effective on the mound, right? So it's just a challenging, it's a challenging situation. But I do believe that there's more opportunity to hit for average now that the shift has kind of been banned, right? So there's certain things you can't do. You can't have too many guys standing in the outfield, and you can't you can't like move past second base or something like that. For you need to have two guys on each side of second base. However, the rule is actually written. And then there's the pitch clock, which you would imagine would make pitchers more tired moving through a game, allowing more guys to get hits late in the game. But I would, I guess with pitching changes, pitching changes happen in the fifth or sixth inning almost all the time. And at that point, it's hard when you're only seeing them twice a game. If you see, if you match up with them three or four times a game, probably significantly easier to like get an adjustment, get ready to hit that pitcher. 
right? Not always, but in a lot of cases, very, very possible. Um, the Brewers remain 24th or lower in, in the major offensive stats categories, except for home runs. Uh, just not doing enough with the bat. Um, pitching is not something that I think is, I think if you're in the top five pitching, you can be this team that can't hit the ball and they're just not there, um, with the injuries and guys not being in the rotation on a week to week basis. It's hurt the brewers right now. Like they're just in a spot that is super challenging. Um, if your pitchers aren't going to be there, they're not going to be able to like effectively throw the ball like and get guys out, keep keep games under three runs, which they haven't been doing. They're not; they have not been able to do that. You're gonna you're gonna struggle. So right now we're in the first in the NL Central. We're we're zero games back where we're, but we are like point one points behind the Pirates because they're. I want to say they're 33 and 30 and we're 34 and 31, if I remember correctly. And so it's like 0.1 or 0.2 in the thing. So technically they're in first, but we're zero games back. So uh, we have to find a streak here in somewhere where we start putting up five, six runs a game and we can put up, four or five, six runs a game, I think we can get wins. But if you can't hit the ball, you can't put pitchers back on their heels, um, try to get other hitters to press because they're behind in games, I think you're going to really struggle with winning games. And if you continue the way we are, we're not going to stay atop the NL Central. It'd be nice to see us do that, but Right now, it does not feel very likely. And the NL Central, look, NL Central looks very bad, right? So, like, we can't – we're not beating the teams. We should be beating teams like the A's. And then almost everybody in the NL Central is, like, even, or the, even the best teams in the NL Central, the Pirates and the Brewers, are just barely hanging on the 500, right? So, go on a little skid, and we'll be well under 500 – very quickly. Uh, something that we're not really used to with the Brewers as of late is to be under 500. So it'd be nice for us to stay above 500, keep rolling, keep the NL Central in our sights, and be able to at least get into those those playing games. So um, if the Bre- if there's any Brewers out there listening, we need you to do more. You must do more so that we can get more thing, more wins. We need the wins. Let's go. All right, jumping to NFL news. We don't have anything like big time on the Packers, so I'll jump into DeAndre Hopkins. And so uh, was cut a couple weeks ago, and he has now started looking for new teams, going on visits. I think he's going to be awfully patient, maybe may play like a Odell role where he joins a team once the season has already started. Um, or maybe not, right? So like 
could just find a team that fits him well. Right now, I think he's looked at the Titans and the Patriots. I don't see either of these teams as something he would be overly interested in doing. Um, I'm under the impression that he's still getting paid for this year by the Cardinals, that they had to take a pretty deep cap hit in order to cut him. And so he doesn't have to take a lot of money to go to a team. And neither of these teams shout Super Bowl contender to me. Even with DeAndre Hopkins on that team. So the Titans could be a team that makes a splash. The Patriots are always a team that can make a splash because they have Bill Belichick. But I feel like there's, especially in the AFC, more clear-cut guys that have the opportunity to act, or more clear-cut teams that actually have the opportunity to um, move towards a Super Bowl. Uh, a scary one would be the Jets or the Chiefs. Um, you put Hopkins opposite uh, Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. I think that could be scary as well. If you loaded an, a fourth wide receiver onto the Bengals, um, Joe Burrow might be able to actually get the ball out in a timely manner, not get hit in like the regular season. I, I think when it comes to the postseason, Burrow is Jimmy Butler, right? He's a very, very similar guy that he can, he's a guy that can turn things on and turn his team around. That he, figures it out. Now, I know the NBA is a much more um, player-focused league than the NFL, but Joe Burrow just figures out a way that when the chips are down to dominate games. And if you would give him another wide receiver, that that would be one of the most ridiculous receiving course in the, in the NFL. If he would decide to go somewhere like that. Now, I don't know if that's actually like realistic or would be beneficial for him to do, right? So if you're going to take a one-year contract and go someplace, are the Bengals where you want to do that, right? So they have a real opportunity at a Super Bowl, but do you have a real opportunity at contributing to that Super Bowl, which I think guys that play at a high end, that's kind of what they want to do. They don't want to be the guys that just are there. They want to be the guys that contribute, that like kind of cause the Super Bowl to happen. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure if I'd want him to be a Packer. That'd be, I, I would, right? So I, I would like the opportunity to have him be a Packer, but I do really, really like our receiving core. And I know that it's young and I know we're going to have some struggles going through the season, but I think they can dominate. Um, I think that we can have two guys that really step out into leading roles in the wide receiving room. And then I think we have another two or three guys that if they can get the right opportunities are going to be really good players in the NFL. And that's, it is a huge reach to say, especially when they're so young, but I have a lot of excitement around um, Reed, 
and Wix, uh, Tori. Uh, there's, and I saw a bunch of people thinking, uh, Bo Melton's got a good opportunity or Dubois who are like, uh, undrafted free agents or seventh round picks, just guys you would never expect to really make big impacts on your team. And maybe I'm just like too hyped up on the OTA side of things, like hearing, hearing positive, uh, stories and things like that coming out of, coming out of this time when especially it's like, you're not getting hit and you're not wearing any pads. So everybody's a little bit faster. So I get it that, but I, I think there's a lot of potential in that room. I wouldn't want Deandre Hopkins on a four year, uh, a four year contract. I want him if I, if the Packers would have him, I would want it on a one year incentive leaving contract where after this year, the young wide receivers the Packers have drafted over the last two years can step in and really start to dominate the league, which I which I think they're going to do. I think this is the 2008, 2009, 2010 drafts where the Packers were just sitting on a wealth of wide receiver talent and – I guess maybe a guy like Donald Driver being in that room for a long time could have been the thing that kind of drove them forward, right? That they allowed them to stay focused, to turn into the wide receivers that they were. But uh, Jordy's, Jordy's there, James Jones, Greg Jennings, and Randall Cobb. Like those four guys created a wide receiving core that the Packers used to dominate offensively for I don't I mean I really up until like 2017 I think and so really I think that's where we're at is that the wide receivers and Jordan Love can grow together and if that's the case um it appears very similar in kind of the way that Aaron Rodgers was able to develop is with his wide receivers is to reset that wide receiving room as the new quarterback comes in and kind of gives us a real opportunity to change things up. So I'm interested to see where Hopkins goes. I'm a little curious that everything is landing in the AFC. There's got to be some NFC teams that have a good opportunity at winning the Super Bowl as well. So like I wouldn't be that surprised if he stopped at the Eagles or stopped at a team like Dallas or Minnesota, who also could potentially be moving in that direction based on last year's records. Um the Niners, I don't know if he fits into the minor the Niners scheme, right? Is he versatile enough to set into that offense and be effective. I know Shanahan likes to move his wide receivers through the backfield and to um, use them in the running game or use them in really short pass games where doesn't feel like that's what Hopkins game is. I could be wrong about that, but just doesn't feel like that's his like main piece of his game. And so uh, 
he's a guy that I find very, very interesting on where he'll land and how we'll produce there. I'm hoping he's going to, a, I mean, I guess if he's not going to go to the Packers, I hope he goes to like a team that isn't all that good because I want the Packers to win the Super Bowl. I don't want him to change a team into like something that's super effective and then is going to dominate and go, go to the Super Bowl. So I'd rather him not, if he's going to be a, he, he can go to like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or maybe like, I don't know, the commanders. Everybody says the commanders are going to be bad. It feels like, but I'm not sure, you know, like, I guess that Sam Howell, if you don't have a quarterback, they should have just kept Heineke and seen what he could do as their franchise guy and then build around him. But that's a, you know, personal thought. Um, speaking of guys that I don't really understand why they get rid of, um, Delvin Cook got moved on from Minnesota. I would assume that it's a contract issue that just getting paid too much to be a run back when you have a, a guy like Alexander Madison sitting in, sitting behind you. Um, Alexander Madison seems to dominate every time he goes into a game, right? And he appears to be this really, really good running back behind Delvin Cook. I think that that can be misleading as well to have a guy that isn't focused on, especially when you have a Delvin Cook in your backfield and then you like switch him out with Madison. People get a false sense of security that it's not going to be a run. Madison's good. He just isn't, doesn't feel like he's what Cook is. Um, Delvin Cook could be a benefit to every team in the league, I think. Um, has seemed to do okay receiving onto the backfield. And I just, I don't understand what Minnesota's doing here. They might have a better idea about what Delvin Cook is and the reason that you're going to move on from him. But just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think that people have undervalued the running back position for so long that they think they're all replaceable all the time, and they're just not. The ones that are really good, when they're in their prime, you need to keep them, and you need, you'd almost rather have them fail in a year because you can get that back up off the street on occasion. Um, right, so I would have rather had something like the Zeke situation where Zeke kind of starts failing for a year or two. But Tony Pollard starts stepping up in those same years. I'd rather have that situation than a situation that the Packers have done with guys like um, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers where you move on a year too early, right? So those are two different positions. But in their running back position, if your guy can't produce, I think that it's fairly easy that you could just say, all right, we're going to run, run the backup a little bit more and still get the production out of the running back room, even though that guy's on your team a year too long. Because for the most part, you're not paying running backs like excessive amounts of money, right? So I want to say Zeke was the highest paid running back in the league at you know, like $22 million a year or $20 million a year or something like that. Well, he's going to lose his job. So that falls under 20 million where wide receivers are over 20 million a year. Um, 
and doesn't feel like you can just pick a guy up off the street as a wide receiver. So you can have like a a back that comes in like uh, Dearness Johnson in Cleveland who's making no money at all and have positive games because you're, the structure of your offense works works for them. Even though you have two dominant running backs in front of him, if they're struggling, you could always bring him in and be done with it, right, and have a positive. And I think most teams can find that guy. And if they're not really set up, then they can. So I would have kept, I would have kept Dalvin Cook a year too long rather than a year too short, right, and just really milk as many carries out of him as I could because – I feel like Delvin Cook is a game changer. And Alexander Madison can be too, but we've seen those things work in a lot of places like Cleveland or really any place that had good like running back by committees. I think it's worked well in San Francisco that like guys get hurt and the next guy just steps up in place. Like that's just the way it goes. And Part of that is due to scheme, and part of it is due to having the right offensive line in place. And part of it is that talent in the running back room, there's a lot of it, right? Like guys like to touch the ball when they're in high school and college, and they don't have to be 6'3 to be dominant, where wide receivers feel like they have to be a lot bigger these days in order to be dominant. I mean, that isn't a 100% rule, but the guys that aren't big, tall, and fast, like it seems like they fall in a draft just because they're not 6'2", 6'3", right? And so I guess with running backs, I don't understand why Delvin Cook is getting cut. Now, I like that. Like, Take real positive uh, players off the Minnesota Vikings. I can deal with that every day. Take a guy that feels like a matchup problem and instead of having two matchup problems in cook and Madison, just give us one. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that with the Packers defense that we worry, you have to worry about Madison and we don't have to worry about somebody else. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and, uh, other things that haven't really made sense is we've been, uh, as the Packers fans, I got a question for kind of what we're doing what we're going to be doing in the future. So I talked a little about a little bit about our wide receiver room and where I think we are at with that and that we're going to be like set in that wide receiver room for the next four years. And I guess I just wonder what Packers fans are going to do. What will Packers fans be clamoring for in the draft moving forward, what will you, what will the general consensus be? So I think for the last three or four years, the general consensus is go get a wide receiver. We need somebody on the op. So before Adams left, we need somebody on the opposite side of Adams. Um, and then I guess last year we kind of jumped up. We went to the pick 33 and took um, Christian Watson, but like, I don't know that like that was enough for Packers fans. Like they thought they should, you know, should have used one of their first two 
or their two first round picks on on a wide receiver there and they just didn't right like it felt like wide receivers came off the board really really quick last year and then this year they again did not use their pick on a wide receiver they use that pick on a defensive end so i'm wondering what we will expect the packers to do because probably for at least three or four years it's been use it on a wide receiver go get a wide receiver we need a wide receiver we need help we need offensive help aaron Rodgers doesn't throw touchdowns to first round picks um but aaron Rodgers is going to be one of the most prolific touchdown throwers in the history of nfl football and has thrown like i don't know six or seven of them do a first round pick and then they're all mercedes lewis right um i think that's okay that's fine i don't think that you need first round picks to do that i think for the most part wide receivers are going to be interchangeable they're going to you're going to have them turn into what we believe running backs are now which is um like plug and play type players guys you can find on the street you can find a guy that's gonna got decent hands and runs good decent routes like nothing at some point it's just going to be they're picking them up off the street there's so many that come out in every draft and eventually it'll be like a guy like jalen rager or something like that they'll be essentially undrafted right because and he'll be good he'll be serviceable in the nfl he'll just never be an elite and so and that was a guy that was picked in the top i don't know like 15 or something like that so it's kind of stupid to say no, he wasn't picked that high, I don't think. I think he I think he fell a bit. Right? It might have been be between Jefferson and Rager. I I don't have time to look. I don't know for sure either. And so um I just wonder what we're gonna be clamoring for moving forward. Uh safety, maybe we might do that. Um safety ah so i will always clamor for um like an edge rusher uh left tackle i'm i'm always fine with going to get a left tackle especially if he's versatile and can maybe play guard as well um and like hopefully this will never be the case but like a qb right so i hope we're never like we need to go get a qb we need to replace jordan love like I'm hoping, and I've watched a few uh, like YouTube videos on Jordan Love, and I find him to be exceptional, right? Um, I find that he's making good throws, he's making good decisions, but I worry that some of that stuff is in garbage time against defenses that don't care or defenses that know that they can give him certain things and he still won't be able to like finish drives just yet. Um, so we'll see where we get with that. Um, in terms of other sports news, we've got some NBA news. Uh, Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers are looking for a trade. If I'm the Bucks, I do whatever it takes to put Lillard on on the Bucks, right? To be the guy that assists Giannis. If you can figure that out, 
And I don't think they can. I don't think that they have enough picks. I don't think that they have enough assets on their team to to put that together. I just it doesn't like compute in my head that they could. But it appears that they might be looking for a trade, and like Lillard and the Blaze and the Trailblazers are moving on from each other. It'd be very exciting if the Bucks could figure that out. I just don't have much faith that they will. I guess if that's what Lillard wants, the Trailblazers will probably try to make it happen. I think that in the NBA, that's the way things go, is that you just you do kind of what the player wants. Now, without being able to collect some picks on that, I don't know how you're going to do that if you're the Trailblazers, right? To gut your team in that way. Maybe it could happen. Uh, and then in terms of the NBA Finals, Nuggets are up 3-1. to one. Next game is uh, Sunday. Probably finishes off. It looks like the, heat, uh, the Nuggets are just a better team. Um, it'll be good for the Nuggets to win it here. They're back at home, and so it'll be a little bit better in that regard. Uh, the Heat's mascot got put into the hospital by Conor McGregor. Took a punch hospitalized i feel like if you have that padding on and like i get that the guy probably just hits harder than i could ever imagine but i don't know you shouldn't be put in the hospital over a punch through like this huge costume that you're wearing i you know i could i could be wrong right that i could be minimizing what it is but i you know maybe conor mcgregor doesn't have to hit the mascot as hard as he possibly can either that might be good but i would expect i would expect you to be able to do a little bit better than have to go to the hospital after you get punched by conor mcgregor and maybe the news is like sensationalizing it a little bit that like you know like his his costume cut him and he had to like get a stitch or something like that, which wouldn't be that big a deal, right? So that's just the way it goes. Like he hits you in the face, the costume like scratches you on your face. You want to get that tidied up so you don't have a huge scar or something like that. I could understand that too. And then that'd be my fault for not reading the entire article and just reading the headline, which very, very possible. All right, and the, so then the I think this is the last head coaching gig that was open. Uh, they hired uh, the Raptors hired Darko Rajakovic, and like that name can't say the last name. Um, very sounds very Eastern European, and I feel like have not had a lot of practice saying. Uh, names like that, except for Peja Stojanovic, right? So like that one, uh, I remember from my days playing video games and wanting to be the Kings and that guy could shoot the ball lights out. I like that a lot. Uh, in terms of NHL news, uh, Vegas is up two to one in the Stanley Cup finals. And then at the end of the second period, they were leading three to one in game four. So looks like they have a pretty good hold on game four we'll see how that kind of pans out right so i i don't know how 
quickly tides can turn in hockey, but I feel that you can get a couple goals quick. It's definitely possible in the long run. I would like to see Vegas win this. Uh, I go out and do uh, my brother-in-law runs a like a game, a softball game between the Golden Knights and the Raiders, and so I think it would be a fairly cool if they had just won the Stanley Cup, and maybe we could get the Stanley Cup like out there, like on the field, like be able to see it there. Maybe people could go on the field and. I don't. I don't think you can hoist it. I think that's one of the rules for the Stanley Cup is you can't actually lift it up, but like you get to touch it or whatever. Might be all right. I don't know if I would care enough to touch it, but maybe, right? It might be like cooler than I expect. There's been things in life that definitely are cooler than I expect. So, uh, I do think it would be awesome if Vegas ended up winning it, and so like. I'm attempting to be like a Vegas fan, but hockey does not engage me at all. I don't really care. Um, and as far as uh, NASCAR, I feel the same way for the most part. I have enjoyed like tracking what Martin Truex Jr. is doing. And as far as that goes, last week he finished fifth, led for no laps. Kyle Busch won it. Um, had the pole position and then ended up when it didn't lead for all like i wonder if anybody's led from like wire to wire in nascar that'd be an interesting like poll question i doubt it's ever happened that'd be pretty unique especially with like pit stops and things like that but would be very very cool if somebody led wire to wire or essentially wire to wire even that like he did a pit stop um, three laps later, the other guy does a pit stop and then he took all of it back. Uh, I would be interested if that ever happened. That might be something that I try to dive into, uh, for the rest of the week. Um, Denny Hamlin is, is on the pole for the save smart three, three fifty, and Martin Truex Jr. is going to start eighth. That's on tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to Martin kind of winning that thing. Should be should be easily moved from eighth to first within the first, I don't know, 75 laps. And then after that, he'll be able to really hold that pretty easily. Um, I guess we were gonna get into like a new a new segment about uh things that we're kind of paying attention to. To, right so things outside of the sports world that we're kind of engaged in and doing um lately i've been listening to a lot of andrew huberman who is a professor of maybe biology but he gets into the like the psychology and like the brain chemicals behind sleep or sickness um diet, weight gain, like how caffeine works in your brain and things like that. So he's been very interesting. Uh, he probably feels a lot like a biohack guy, a guy that um, is like trying to maximize your human potential. Uh, 
through the chemicals that you release based on the exterior world interacting with your body. And so I thought it was, I think it's a pretty cool little um, idea, right? To maximize your human potential. Um, never really been there. Uh, exercise I've done, I've tried a lot of these things, but I think uh, my brain jumps around from like, thing to thing and i'm like i don't get results as fast as i would like to see and then i'll jump to the next thing um in terms of like diet and nutrition i do okay with not jumping around because i know that for the most part diet and nutrition stays the same if you do the same thing consistently you can maintain really really easily and if you make one drastic change you can you can make drastic changes pretty, pretty quickly, right? So even if you're trying to gain a lot of weight, like good weight, which is very, very challenging to do, if you make big drastic changes to put more calories in your body and exercise a lot, you can make those changes a lot of times. But Andrew Huberman, uh, it's Huberman Labs podcast, and I've been listening to it over the last... I don't know, five, six, seven days. And I think it's pretty cool. He's, he's got a, a pretty unique way of talking about things. Sometimes I get lost in the sauce as he is maybe just too scientific for me. And I don't really understand what he's talking about, but he does try to like make it dumb enough for me to understand. He's a, definitely attempting that. So most of you guys that are listening will be able to understand it fairly easily because I'll be in my car and all of a sudden I'll be thinking about something completely different and he'll just say one phrase and I'm like, oh man, I'm supposed to be listening to this crap so that I can see if there's anything that I want to do because I've done this stuff probably from the time I was like 25 or 26 to 31. I did a lot of this stuff, like tried a lot of things and things worked or didn't work and I didn't give them enough time to work. There's a lot of that. And so but cool little podcast. Um, and as far as the solo show, I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. I think I did more time than I really expected to do. Um, and I appreciate you guys, especially if you stuck around this long. And if you're sticking around this long, you can just give it a subscribe to for sure. Um, or a thumbs up or a like or whatever. I like, if you were willing to listen to me for whatever amount of time this was, even if it's like 15 minutes, and I think it was longer than that, but um, even if you're willing to listen to me for just that long, you should probably give me a like because doing a solo, a solo go is pretty tough. And I'll be, I'll be glad to have Pat back next, next week. Um, but I really appreciate all you guys listening and for all you suckers doubting the Badgers, the Packers, the Bucks, or the Brewers, you can eat our shorts. Roll it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat them. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.